All right, we're live on KEXP at home. My name is Larry Mizell Jr., host of the Afternoon Show, and I'm honored to be joined today by Femi and Made Kuti. How you doing today, gentlemen? Oh, fine, thank you, Larry. Excellent. I'm all right, thank you. Thanks for asking. Right on. And you? Absolutely. Um, great. I'm uh, ecstatic to be talking to you. This is this is fantastic. Uh, I loved the the live set that you recorded. Um, some great, joyous, brilliant, poignant music, as is uh, the legacy of your family, which is the title of the double album that you two put out. Legacy, yeah. Legacy Plus. Yes. I just I know this is a lot, but what is what does legacy mean to you? The family heritage. Mm. Everything that has sort of come before, everything that influences who we've become. And for my dad and I, it's also what comes after us. Mm. It's been a lot of music, a lot of politics, a lot of, you know, conscious acts in each generation that the Kuti family has really been participated, participant mm. of. Absolutely. Legacy has so many different uh, aspects, you know. I know that uh, the whole world is dealing with uh, the legacy of colonialism. I know that is still something uh, everybody's dealing with, including in Nigeria. Um, and that's something you both speak to in your music very well. Um, that legacy of activism, is that something that um, was just ingrained in, in you? Yeah, you could say so. You could say so, yes. I mean, it's all I think I've ever known, and I think probably most likely Madi has ever known to be concerned about issues that surround us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my father has always taught me to be aware, aware of my own state of mind, aware of my own immediate surroundings, and very much aware of the community that I belong to. And if mm -hmm. you have that level of well, awareness, you will, without a doubt, in a country like Nigeria and in a city like Lagos, feel responsible for a lot of the things that go on around. Right on. Absolutely. Well, if you don't mind, let's get into the first couple songs from that fantastic live set that y'all recorded for KEXP. Cool. All right. Live on KEXP at home. Femi and Made Kuti. As I stand before you, I want you to listen to me well. As I stand before you, I want you to hear me well. You see, this is our life. Our lives move very fast. Our lives in this life. Our lives move very fast. It's why we must face the government. Government must not waste our time. It's why we must face the government. Government must not waste our time. When government wastes our time. Government waste our life When government waste our time Government waste our life If government no fee do their job Make them come out for their 
and we're live on KEXP at home. I'm here with Femi and Made Kuti live from Lagos right now. Uh, pleasure to talk to you guys. Um, tell me, uh, I've seen Nigerian music really blowing up on the world stage. Um, what are you guys seeing as far as you know uh, the visibility for music from your home? Um, yeah, I think since the since the mid seventies, from Fela and you know a lot, a few people before him, with High Life yeah. and certain West African, you know, very local music to us, and with the rise of Afrobeat from the seventies and eighties, and this sudden popularity boost in about you know the early twenty first century, Nigeria has really become. I think in many ways, the center of West African music and, you know, not just, uh, with people like my father and I, musicians like my father and I, who are, you know, sort of musically centered and focus on arrangement and, mm. uh, musicality and instrumentation, but also, you know, pop musicians has been a yeah. in many different kinds of angles in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting you talking about that musicality. That's got to be part of um, the legacy of your family is being, um, you know, highly um, invested in arrangement and, and musicality and having some of the best musicians ever heard, you know, surrounding you. What a what a glorious legacy to be part of. That's got to be something that's still informing your, your, your both of your processes. Yeah, it's the way my my father went about compositions and the way I go about my compositions, the way Made has been trained to go about his compositions. He went to school, he, he, he studied compositions, he's a multi-instrumentalist. So, I mean, for us, music is as tedious or as important as any other profession. Mm. And um, it's serious business. It's not just about fame and fortune. Right. So um, we have to keep on practicing. We have to keep on working. We have to keep on inspiring other people and ourselves. Uh, music is, you just have to keep on learning. As long as you're alive, you have to keep on learning. And you as a composer, we understand that we're learning and we have been inspired by these melodies we hear from God knows wherever it comes. Right on. I know recently... Um, we saw protests against um, the SARS police unit um, in Nigeria and uh, how that's proceeded. And that, that's been very visible through, uh, you know, the music coming out of Lagos. Um, in the wake of those protests, do you feel like things have improved or is it the same struggle uh, you've been seeing for, for generations? It hasn't improved. I think it's the same struggle. It seems to be getting worse. And one way you can mm -hmm. look at it is economically. When my mm -hmm. father was talking, it was $2 to the Naira. Mm -hmm. Now it's 480 Naira to the dollars. So economically, you can see that life is, you could say, 480 times worse. Um, there's still a lot of killings, kidnappings. Security is very bad. But the great thing is you just still find some people are resilient in believing that there is hope. So we have to remain optimistic. Um, a lot of um, people 
still go about their daily lives fighting for a better life for themselves and their families. And um, I think this has been the story of Africa since slavery. And I, we still have that willpower to combat all these obstacles before us. I think, um, I think we're still going to go through a lot of difficult times, but I am optimistic that we'll find a way to solve all these issues eventually. But mm. still probably had to, harder times ahead. I, I 100% see the same way. Things are getting worse. Mm. Yeah, it does seem like mm. things are going to get, um, you know, darker before we see the light. Certainly. Um, there also feels one like thing I've always divided. It, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, definitely. That's 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 a really good point. There is a lot of division. Um. Uh, and I and I wonder where it's coming from. Sometimes um, I've seen movements even among uh, you know black people in the West, kind of uh, drawing back and 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 being really nationalist and not invested in a a global identity. And uh, that's been you know kind of heartbreaking I think to see. When you understand the gravity of slavery and colonization, then. You can easily simplify the pro problems. Mm. One easy, easy way to look at it is, take for instance us. We speak in English. Mm. We dream in English. It's not our language. So whether we like it or not, we are colonized. Mm. And this is a battle we always have to keep on fighting ourselves with. This is a personal battle. And education has taught us to look down on people that dream in their languages or speak in their languages. This is a problem generally of the African. Now the African in the diaspora, as we would say, don't even have the um, the uh, they don't have the not willpower. They don't even have the uh, they have nothing to give them an identity of even having to understand they had a, a language because your education has completely taken that away. Your you could say your souls have been taken away from you. So you are just like roaming about the world. We are, you're all speaking English or French or whichever language it is, the African is, has been brainwashed to accept by force. And this already, this language, this language has caused division amongst us because colonization has made us make it a problem that we'll, we will never agree. Mm. Even on the simplest issues, we always think we the more we speak whichever foreign language is, we want to show we are more knowledgeable than our brothers and sisters. We oppress them with these languages. And but this is we are talking about four four hundred years of oppression. So you it's not going to change in one year with Marcos yeah. Gavi, my father, my Pat, Patrice Lumumba. Dr. Kwame Nkrumah, so many names who have fought for the emancipation of Africa, Africans who have died fighting for freedom in America and in, Bra in Brazil or wherever we're talking about. Um, these stories are so many and we, we have so little knowledge of these stories. And even when we have them, they are biased a lot of times except we tell them ourselves. And because we are reading these stories in English, we have our doubts because the languages have taught us to have doubts and not believe even when we have facts. 
unfortunately for us, unlike the Jewish story, for instance, we have footage of what happened during the Holocaust. So it is very hard to deny. With slavery, you just have photographs or pictures at the latter stage of what happened to black people. You see, we still even say, we still even say slaves. We call ourselves slaves. We don't mm. even understand that we were kings and queens. We came from palaces, we came from empires. And when we are addressing that history, we say Africans, um, slaves were taken out of Africa. Slaves were not taken out of Africa. Human beings were taken and enforced right. and enslaved and brainwashed, beaten, tortured, and the atrocities that were committed by um, Europeans, Americans, or whichever nation we are talking about is really, it's really, I could say, unforgivable. And I keep saying these nations have to just keep on apologizing to mm. Africans as the Germans have to keep on apologizing to the Jews. But you see, they have found a way to distort this history. And now we fight and defend colonization for the colonialists. Mm. And just as my dad said, to even further that point, the greatest damage is almost not even as much physical damage as was done during colonialism. It's more, it has been more subtle. It's like the language that my father spoke of. Mm. The more educated you are, the better your English, of course. But it's also very likely the, the worse your native tongue is. So myself, for instance, my English is significantly better than my Yoruba. And I have a certain disconnect between myself and someone I know that is from where I'm from. Mm. And there's certain things that he or she will say that I don't understand, certain proverbs that they will say, and certain, you know, typical sort of idioms that I don't immediately grasp. And instantly I feel disconnected because I mm. want to belong to those people. But I feel like my education has taken me away from that sort of natural state of my own, my own sort of um, identity, true identity. Yeah, my my own mm. identity. Yes, in fact. Yeah, it's not. That's nice. a very powerful point, particularly about language <laughs> and how that that shapes, uh, you know, your brain and even the thoughts you're able to think, the concepts you're able to imagine. Uh, for yourself. The language you speak has everything to do with that. Two, three, four.
most people just want to live in peace. One problem now, government and bad policies. They make life difficult instead of bringing simplicity. The hate and suffering around, so painful to see. Stop the hate, for goodness sake, before it's late. Let us make the world a better place. Together all our problems let us face. People listen, there's no time to waste. To bring justice and peace to the human race. Billions of people in search of a better life. Trapped in IDP camps, many cross in danger to survive. The world is slow to act, whilst we watch them suffer and die. Action is what they need, not for us to sit down and cry. Stop the hate, for goodness sake, before it's late, let us make the world a better place. Together our problems let us face. People listen, there's no time to waste. To bring justice and peace to the human race.
Free your mind, 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 and set your soul free. Free your mind, 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 free your mind and set your soul free. Free your mind, 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 and set your soul free. Free your mind, 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 and set your soul free. Set your soul in time. I'll find One thing I've always loved and admired about the music of your family is amidst the stories of struggle uh, and immense hardship um, that's globally minded, um, there's joy, there's exaltation, there's celebration, you know, that brings people together. Um, how was that transmitted to you, Femi? Oh, I, I, I think um, the purpose of life is to be happy. Mm. And easily, that's what the music is about. So our culture celebrated death, celebrated life, celebrated harvest, farming. Even when you were going to war, it was musical. Life was supposed to be more always for our, it, There was a balance. The African culture taught us balance. And the bottom line was to make the best of life. And yes, we, I think, hundreds of thousands of years taught us that there will be obstacles, but we have something at our disposal, which is music, and that keeps the body and soul together. So yes, mm -hmm. we, we might talk about serious, very sad issues, 
But the music is, I, the way I see it is, we're talking, it's like taking a bitter pill with sweet, a sweet juice. So the music mm. is there to help you digest these issues easily, easier or easily. And, but the messages sometimes are very hardcore. And I, I love that analogy. So <laughs> that's the way I see it. And the way I try to, um, that's the way I've perceived my compositions as well. That why, mm. why do I have to sing about so many sad stories? But the music is so danceable and so comforting. So I said, probably the creator gave me this knowledge to be able to pass this message, but I needed a tool to pass this message. So you needed music that will make people dance, be happy, maybe a kissy out there, but the message. So subconsciously or consciously, the message is hitting you, um, hitting you wherever. Yeah. That's a powerful message. Made, is that how it came to you as well? Very much so, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Um, the both of you covered one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, ben Me, Your Father's Song, Watching No Get <laughs> Enemy. Um, I wondered if you would talk about the concept of that song, because I've always thought it's immensely powerful. Mm. My dad is uh, yeah, my a girl comes to my father's house and says that my father is like water and he shouldn't have enemies because water has no enemy. And my father said, wow, that's brilliant. And he said he was going to write a song that water has no enemy. And you can't fight water. If you fight water, you're going to die. So he made a song, Water No Get Enemy. But the idea comes from this I probably, I think she was his girlfriend or something like that. And she just looked at him and said, um, and says, um, sorry about that. He says, she says, oh, fella, you're like water. I don't know why people fight you. So people should just be happy and accept you. I love that. That's something that every living organism requires it's common to us all it's part of us all you know that applies to so much um it implies a ecological message is that something that you that you've taken away from it definitely oh you you take something away from every track of my father Mm, and i think the same thing with the afro beats i think that is the essence of afro beats Mm-hmm. that it has to insp- inspire you at whatever time of the day, whatever you're doing, whatever year you're listening to it. And as, like I said, probably it's, the message is very depressing. But when you hear the music, you still have that smile. That Wow, I love that beat. I love that melody. Wow, powerful horn section. Oh, l- listen to that rhythm. Wow, mm. uh, the melody of the song. Uh, wow, I like what he's saying. Oh, I agree with what he's saying what they're mm-hmm. saying oh and you see it's, it's there to carry you along and oftentimes the message in fellas music is often either too complicated or too simple to digest too quickly so a lot of people listen to his music and over time only later understand the message that was in it and they in nigeria it's very common that they refer to fella as a prophet mm-hmm. which i've always had a problem with because it diminishes just how powerful he was to face 
his immediate reality and say those things in his time as they were happening, not predicting the future or not speaking about the past, but facing his immediate reality. And I had a friend that spoke about water and came to me in primary school and said, well, why, are you, why is your grandfather singing about water of all things? I said, what is of greater value to sing about? Money, sex, water is everything. It's everything that makes us who we are. It makes the world what it is. Yeah, it's just, it's, I think it takes some time for some people. Absolutely. It's going to be the source of great conflict in the future as well, if it's not already. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, I really loved watching you both uh, perform that song, uh, both playing the sax um, and just getting a sense of this transmission of of the message and and um the the vitality of the spirit that that courses through y'all um in that track so thank you for sharing that thank you um absolutely uh made how was yeah. it for you growing up amidst all this this musical legacy it was it was a bit, yeah, it was simple, I think, because I didn't think about it. I wasn't aware of the legacy until I was about, I think, old enough to really understand what a legacy even meant. Maybe eight, seven. But I found music when I was about four or five. The shrine, the venue in Lagos that we own, was, um, was open in 2000. I was five years old, and I played the trumpet then. And I remember the story of me picking up the trumpet was us being on tour and me just saying, ah, I want to know what, how this works and I want to try to play it. So I try to blow and I produce sound and my dad decides to get me a trumpet teacher. And it was the same thing with every other instrument I played. I just, I immediately showed curiosity and I led, I, sh I would really f not forcefully express it to my dad, but, you know, with the very innocent and genuine, um, yeah, <laughs> very innocent and genuine uh, process of, you know, finding the instrument and saying, ah, can I learn how to do this? So it was the same thing with the sax. It was the same thing with the piano. I used to watch my dad's drummer play and then I said, ah, I have to know how that thing works. So, yeah, I just, I found music before I understood what the legacy meant. And at the time that I did, I was also, in a sense, not politically conscious, but socially conscious, mm. because I was very well aware of how privileged I was and very well aware of how underprivileged a lot of people were. And I always found myself amongst the people in the country because the shrine was a center of, you know, the people. It, didn't, it wasn't a place to put on airs. It wasn't a place that, you know, it mattered how much money you had or how many cars you drive. It was a place for the bus driver, it was a place for the housekeeper, it was a place for everybody from everywhere, in and out of the country. So to mingle with those people and to see how really deprived they are of a standard of living that they should have because Nigeria is rich, Nigeria's leaders are rich. And as a child, I couldn't understand why the people were poor and why they were deprived of basic resources. I'm talking water, I'm talking electricity, I'm talking a good education. So all of this... I was very well aware of from about eight, nine years old. And I decided at some point that whatever I did in life should in some way help my community. 
and help my immediate community get better. So when, but this also had a lot to do with my father's upbringing, which, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, made me very conscious about myself and my state of mind and then my surroundings. So uh, yeah, the legacy came naturally because I, I didn't think of the legacy. I had found a certain amount of other elements that all led to easily fitting into the legacy. Quite, yeah, quite like that. Excellent. <clears throat> Thank you both. Um, if we can, let's get into the the last track, that cover of Water, No Get Enemy.
we're live on KXP at home. I'm talking to Femi and Made Kuti. Uh, put out a fantastic double album called Legacy, acknowledging the continuum of legacy uh, that runs in their family and throughout the, the global family um, of spirit and message. Thank you so much both for joining us and sharing that music with us. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. I loved your words um, earlier, Made, kind of speaking about uh, the shrine and um, how it's a place for everybody and being aware of privilege. You know, I think in the U.S. we have a very simplified view of, uh, you know, where hardship comes. Uh, it's always based on racism. But when, you know, the person kicking your door down looks like you and you're, you're dealing with uh, class-based oppression, that's a little more subtle and there's a little more there's there's more subtle things at work there but it's all it's all from the same place of course um which is quite like the SARS protest that happened recently it's yeah as similar a problem it was to the you know it was very, not too long after the protests that were happening in the states and mm-hmm. although the brutality is similar the reason behind it isn't so right. the it's obviously racism in the states but as you said when the person that that unlawfully uses ex- excessive force on you or extorts something from you and abuses you totally disregarding your basic human rights is a person that looks like you then it becomes a certainly certainly it becomes a more subtle issue and i had one experience that led to the to one of my songs and it was very much unlawful behavior by a police officer, which led to me calling to my dad, having a scuffle with him and eventually being let go. But my dad spoke to me about that in understanding the mentality of the average policeman. The policeman in Nigeria is deprived of a basic standard of living, of basic health, mm-hmm. and he does not have the means to survive unless he extorts. And if that is what the people that are responsible for him the leaders that are supposed to be ensuring that whoever is part of the civil service are a people capable and responsible enough to lead the people and to protect the people if they're supposed to, are people that are adequately giving an adequate lifestyle. And you give, and if you don't give them that, and you give them power instead, and you give them power to abuse as they see fit, then you'll end up in a situation like Nigeria's in. So a police officer can stop anybody, arrest anybody unlawfully, beat anybody up unlawfully, kill anybody and still get away with it because they have that power and they don't have any reason to follow justice. They don't have any reason to be just. And if they need to survive, then they'll use any means necessary to survive. We have to again understand what the institution of the police is. The institution of the police was set up by the colonialists who put them there to defend them and oppress our people. When we got our independence, the forefathers never found justification or they couldn't understand because many of them too were colonized. They left those institutions. They had no checks and balances for those institutions. Those institutions should have even been abolished and an African police force should have been made. 
which was going to be the kind of police force we probably had during, during before slavery, and which was check and balances. And so these are institutions that are that Europe is um, forced us to have. And what has happened is it has deteriorated because um, corruption has not let governments on the continent in Africa understand that they had to change that mindset. And mm -hmm. so the, that institution has never been looked after. So that institution has become brutally, it's brutal, as and only brutality is what that institution understands in order for that institution to survive today. So that institution, so when we understand, you see, like I said, the culture of the African is, when there's a problem, you just don't just fight the problem. You have to understand why, how did this arise? So I think the way Africans have to tackle our problems is we, we, we truly need to understand slavery. We, we truly have to understand before, after, and where we want to be in the future. So the police, that institution is, and when you go to the American system as well, what was the police? The institution of the police was oppressive to keep right. the African in America down. So it's, right. it's that same institution. And when they said to incorporate, when they said to bring in black Africans to join the police force, they, they knew who they were choosing, those that will still obey the system, act with the system, and it has taken so many years for a couple of black men and women to say, this is not just, but that, that whole institution is oppressive. So it's still a big internal fight by people who don't agree with racism. It has now spilled over that even cities and um, communities are against that institution, but when you understand why it was formed, it, then we we have a better idea of how to tackle it and mm. completely dissolve it if need be and put the right kind of police force, police force for the people, by the people, to protect the people. Life in its true meaning. We don't have that anywhere global, go, um, globally. We should be able to see right. a policeman or woman and we every encounter we have with them should be like meeting a superhero mm. because they're the people that are set to protect us and have the best interests of their peoples at heart. But every time we see a police officer in so many places that we, in the States, in Lagos, wherever, we, are afraid. we often feel unsafe. <laughs> you don't even want afraid. to see them. <laughs> we don't want to see them. <laughs> Worldwide. Worldwide, man. Absolutely. I think that's something that um, <clears throat> a lot of people cannot relate to, but a lot of people can. Um, yeah, not, that feeling of, of you're not only not protected by this person, you're, you're, you might be actively targeted by this, by this person, and you've got a lifetime of experience to show you that. And, you know, now it's at a point here in the States, beyond just the police, people who aren't police, uh, who, when you see the flag of our nation, being displayed, you know, whether it's on their clothes or on their vehicle or in their home, that's that doesn't make you feel good. Yeah. You know, you feel like that's a warning. The flag <laughs> of the country you were born and raised in is a is a is a symbol of of hatred and oppression. And like that person is not your friend. That's a yeah, but, that's a but terrible you thing. Go back, you go back to how that country was formed. That yes. country was formed on oppression, blood, and so, 
<laughs> that's what is right. that is a symbol of the country that is a true symbol it is just yeah. years and years of battle of changing the mindset of the forefathers of that country which is going to be another it's going to be a long battle probably yeah. another 100 years it's not mm. going to just change overnight <laughs> it's going to it's a big i mean oppression is oppression didn't start today and it's not going to end tomorrow so it's a big battle which we have to keep on singing about or talking about. It's a continuous battle. It's a topic that Absolutely. must always be in the forefront of many of our discussions. And that knowledge is transmitted on and on through the, the next hundred years. And uh, the legacy of the music your family will continue and uh, continue nourishing struggle and understanding. So I appreciate you both so much for taking the time uh, to join us and share that music with us. Thank you for having Thank you us. very much. Absolutely. Um, this has been live on KEXP. It's been an honor to talk to you both. Femi and Made Kuti. My name is Larry Mizell Jr. <laughs>